Peace, everyone. This is the Polyphonic Podcast, episode one. You got your man, Mario Luciano. What's up, man? What's up? What's up, everyone? Tell them what this podcast is about. So we started this podcast to just give back to the producer community, the sound designer community, and, you know, talk about mental health, keep you guys inspired, talk about, you know, our struggles, our journey through all this stuff, and uh, also our wins along the way. Winning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, without further ado, man, here we go. Let's ask Mario, how'd you get your start in this music industry? Um, so I was, I was snowboarding out of high school for a while. I was living in uh, Mammoth Lakes for about four years, and uh, I would come back home to Washington during the summers. And um, one, one of the years when I got back, I just... Uh, I was trying to stay out of trouble because I was kind of partying a lot and and just kicking it too much, and I wanted to find something to do uh, to to occupy my time in a healthy way. And uh, I got Fruity Loops from from one of my homies, and I just kind of fell in love with the process. And when I went back to Mammoth uh, that winter, I was you know making beats in my free time as much as possible, and eventually it just transitioned into me not snowboarding as much for a career purpose but just for you know joy and and the love of it and my energy shifted way more into making beats i don't think a lot of people know but mario's super dope at snowboarding i just wanted to (laughs) let people know that like he was probably one of the first cats to get sponsored by oakley man like that's come on man you were living in mammoth full-time i just wanted i didn't want to gloss over that i didn't want people to think oh yeah he was just snowboarding no like he was he was dope it was cool i had i had a couple sponsors um paying for my rent gang of free clothes you know um yeah definitely a fun experience traveled a lot too got to see a lot of cool mountains went to the aspen open uh rode at park city um yeah all over the place yeah, I, didn't, I wanted to make sure you weren't light-footed on that <laughs> one because you are a super talented dude, man. Appreciate it, man. So what about the process of making beats, man? Well, I mean, why did you choose that? I mean, you're already doing what you what you love. What about making beats? Um, I don't know. I just got intrigued with the art form of, like, sampling and, and taking, like, old records and stuff and uh chopping them up and speeding them up and i don't know it was just a whole new thing to me like an art form that i fell in love with and you know i got addicted to it and just wanted to keep getting better and better first inspiration yeah what was my first inspiration yeah, yeah, yeah. who was your first inspiration um man i would say probably the neptunes the neptunes and, and like kanye and dr dre mm. yeah dre and the neptunes more than anybody actually what yeah, album yeah. was that on neptunes um i mean the the clones the clones album i was a super big fan of but i mean even like the stuff that they were doing for like noriega uh like the super thug um obviously the clips you know that that whole lord willing album is crazy um that that was like yeah the, the sounds that they were using to me didn't sound like nobody else um so yeah so that inspired you you got super dedicated into that mm-hmm snowboarding kind of you kind of lost love for snowboarding or what happened or i don't i don't think it was that i lost love it was just more so like trying to be realistic with it um and making a career off of snowboarding is really tough especially if you're not like a household name um so for me it was something that i still love 
just as much as I do now as I did back then. Like I, I still have a season's pass. I'd not snowboard, you know, during the season, like three times a week. Um, but it became to a point where, you know, I needed to figure out what I was going to do for money. Um, and that's not why I started making music, obviously, but, um, it was definitely more something that I looked at. It was like achievable at some point down the road than it was to, you know, snowboarding has a certain limit, just like all sports do, especially extreme sports. Um, you know, if you were to get injured or something to happen, that's it. It's a wrap. So that's kind of why I just transitioned into it being more, uh, a hobby and for fun than trying to take it seriously as a career. Yeah, man. And the music game's not an easy game, man. So for you to have the confidence to know like, yeah, I can, I can make, make it happen. And I know from my firsthand experience with you that this hasn't been an easy journey. So initially, like, I, I what made you think that this was going to be a, a more achievable journey? Um, I don't know. I think in the beginning, I, I didn't even think about like money or anything like that. It was more so just doing it for the love and something, something fun to keep me out of trouble. Um, I, I didn't know when or how it, it was going to work out to turn into, you know, a, a career or a full-time job. And like you said, there's uh, tons of bumps in the road. Um, but it was just something I was so passionate about that I, I didn't care. You know, I think anybody that's doing it and is looking for money, uh, it, it's not going to work out well. You have to like genuinely love this shit no matter what. Uh, otherwise, you know, it's not going to turn out well. So yeah. how, how many years in the game are you? Uh, I want to say probably like 10, you know, about 10. And that's a fairly young career. Yeah. I feel like they say a lot of people will put in that amount of time before they start to get, you know, success and, and, and things coming their way, which is, you know, kind of true. I would say for me, like the last year and a half to, you know, close, close to two years has been like the most successful for me, you know, and it took almost. 10 years to get to those and I feel like I'm just barely you know scratching the surface and were you motivated the whole time hell no hell no like the first couple of years it was off and on it, like I, I would get in in a in a really good groove and I would you know be making beats and staying focused and dedicated for a period of time and then I was always one foot in one foot out with like partying and going out and skating and um you know, I, there'd be like weeks that would pass where I just wasn't working on beats. I was just kicking it and skating, like I said, and, and going out. Um, and then I'd get back on it for a couple months. And it was just like that for like the first couple of years. I, I wasn't as committed as I could be. What changed? I think maybe like four or five years, five years into it or so, um, I, I was like always depending on somebody else. I never had my own shit. I was, you know, working out of other people's spaces and using other people's equipment. The, the only thing that I had was just my laptop. Um, and as I saw myself getting more hungry for it and really wanting to dedicate more of my time to it, a lot of my, my friends were still kind of like on that one foot in, one foot out type of shit that I just got tired of it. And, um, I said, if I'm really going to do it, I need to just get my own thing going, my own space, invest into my own equipment. 
Um, and that, that was like the, the first step into, you know, getting my own studio going in my own place to work at, at the pace I wanted to work at. So just to kind of go over that again, you were tired of relying on everyone else. Mm-hmm. So you were like, I need my space. Mm-hmm. I need this for myself. So we talked a little bit about, about it on the test podcast, but let's go on to about what it means to keep everything in your life minimal as far as like your setup in the studio and, and just getting rid of everything that's not essential. So getting into like the whole minimalistic stuff definitely took some time. Um, it didn't always start like that. Like in, in the beginning, I would just overpack my beats with so much stuff um, that it, it you know, it was hard for people to rap over. And I, I think as a producer, uh, that, that gets overlooked a lot. Like we always want to just keep adding, adding, adding rather than focusing on like what the strongest points are, uh, of, of the sample or the beat and just rolling with that, keeping it minimalistic and making sure that you leave space for the artist. And, um, the first time that that was brought to my attention or that, like, I, I really started paying attention to it is I was watching this um, interview on YouTube with John Bryan, uh, and Kanye West during the late registration days. And, um, you know, John Bryan's an, an incredible producer, musician. Um, he did the, the soundtrack for Step Brothers, and guy plays like 17 instruments. He's crazy. And he was sitting down talking to Ye saying, um, to not feel bad about taking absolutely any element out of the beat that doesn't directly impact the song you know so you know as i like heard that i started to you know peel back layers to all my stuff and um you know just kept what was most important and i would always ask myself too like am i adding this in here just to fill up the space or does it actually make sense for the composition so like the more i started to approach things like that um yeah and that doesn't just manifest in your samples and your beats and stuff, but it also manifests in your actual physical studio space. What was the first piece of equipment that you invested in? So the first thing that I got was um, an Apollo interface. I was uh, using just my laptop. I had a keyboard and um, an M box for Pro Tools. I was using Pro Tools too. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I had this mentor and I, I told him that I was going to start building the studio and that I wanted to buy all this analog equipment, da, 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 da. And he was like, nice, man. What, uh, what kind of interface are you going to get? I was like, huh? I, I, I completely overlooked that. And, you know, I think that's like a really important foundational piece, especially if you're going to be buying, you know, hardware and outboard gear and stuff. So the, uh, the Apollo was the first thing that I invested in. Do you think that's the one central piece of gear that you would recommend anyone starting out or start starting out for sure, especially if you're going to be recording a lot of live stuff. Um, it just, the converters on it are unmatched. And then on top of that, the plugins that you get from it, um, are probably the closest to, you know, the real analog sounding pieces as possible. So definitely worth it. Is there any other gear that you would recommend uh, people coming up to invest in? Yeah, so I, I think it's all relative to the type of music you want to make. 
Um, and if you want to make samples that sound like old school samples, you don't necessarily have to have all of the stuff that I have now, but the more you have, the you know more authentic they're going to sound. Um, so yeah, with the with the Apollo, I started getting um, preamps, and you know then from there I I got uh, a Rhodes, and I bought an amp for the Rhodes, and you know when when I had the amp, I didn't have to record my guitars through direct line through my interface anymore. I could plug the guitar into the amp, mic up the amp, run it through a preamp, and then into the DAW. So I, I was getting a lot of a lot of tones and a lot of different textures that you can't necessarily get in the box. You know, like that extra added bit of white noise or hiss that you get from an amp is really hard to duplicate. And those are the, you know, the textures that I think people subconsciously, you know, fall in love with. What's one piece of gear that you have in here that you would never get rid of? Mm, that's a tough one. Uh, man. Either the Leslie with the B3, the organ, um, or the Rhodes, man. I don't know. Something about that Rhodes. That was like the first thing that I ever got. And I'm, I'm like just connected to it in a weird way. Cause that taught me how to play keys more than, more than anything. Like I had to learn how to play that. It wasn't like a MIDI keyboard where you can, you know, if one note was too quiet, you can turn it up. Or if one note was too late or fast, you could, you know, move it back in MIDI with the, the roads, how you play it is how it sounds. And in the beginning, you know, I realized that I could not play for shit. Uh, so it just, it, you know, it, it really challenged me to become a better musician. What are some dream instruments that you see yourself? Like you want to get in the future or you want to invest in the future? Um, I still want, um, a Vox continental organ. Um, it's like a psychedelic organ that the, uh, the doors used a lot. Um, and just that, that period of time, but definitely that. And I definitely want, uh, an EMT 140 reverb mm. and, uh, that big old box, big old box, man. That thing's going to be a trip to try to get in here. I, I got narrow hallways and that thing is eight feet long, four feet wide. Um, so I, I might just have to put it downstairs and run a, a cable up into here, but well, what is it about that bait? So I had I had a friend of mine that was recording a session at this studio out here, Avast, and he sent me a Dropbox link, which I, I don't think he was supposed to, but he sent me the session link with uh, the vocals, and they were tracked through these V72 preamps, out of the preamp into the EMT140 reverb, and then out of the reverb straight to tape. And the first time that I ever heard that, I was just like, holy shit, it almost feels like you are in the actual box, like you are in this reverb. I'd, I'd never heard anything sound as good as that to this day. Um, not through plugins, not through anything. And two out of those three pieces I managed to get in my studio now. I have uh, a pair of V72 preamps and I have um, a tape machine that's supposed to be here next week. 
Uh, so now I'm just, I'm searching for that piece. So. <laughs> how, how do you find the right tones with your gear or like how, when you're making through the creative sample or creative process, how do you know what's going to be the right tone and whatnot? I think it's just all the feel. Uh, a lot of a lot of stuff I'm drawing inspiration from from you know records that that has inspired me or that I've heard or that I'm referencing, um, and and I, I try to get the tones to sound like that. Whether it be you know more distortion or more white noise or or driving the mics a certain way, um, it's it's all just a feel. And when I hear it and it resembles something that you know I have in my subconscious or that I've heard. You know, and it reminds me of that. I'm like, okay, that that's it. Let's record that and build off of that. Mm. So, so I wanted to go back. You and I were talking earlier when we when we were walking. You say about every six to eight weeks, you kind of get to a point where like you you just need to take a breath. Can you tell the people a little bit about that breather time that you have every eight weeks or so? Yeah. So, um. I like to just take like a week or two off just to completely recharge, reset. Um, and I, I think like finding ways to reinvent yourself is very important, even if it's in like just a, a small way. And that's kind of my way of taking, you know, a couple weeks off to listen to new music, to meditate, to just live life and just be completely detached um, from creating every single day. Um, and I'm, I'm always listening to different stuff throughout those periods of times, whether it's like jazz fusion or deep soul or reggae or punk or whatever style of music I'm listening to. Um, it just inspires new, you know, new melodies and new rhythms, um, new tones when, when I do come back in here. I want to make sure we make the impression that where you're at now in your career, it's not a force thing. You're not forcing yourself to put in the time or put in the every day. You got to be making how many beats for three summers, <laughs> you <All right>. know, <laughs> like you got to, yep. you're out here where you actually give yourself space and you let the, the flow come to you. Can you, can you give that importance to the people that are listening? Yeah. I think it's also really good um, mentally to understand that like, the music industry isn't going anywhere. You don't have to rush for nobody. And having patience um, is, is really going to do a lot. Um, you'll, you'll drive yourself crazy if you're just sitting here every single day, you know, working. Like, don't, don't get it twisted. It's good to have a good, solid work ethic and do what you need to do. But it's also good to find that balance and make sure that you're giving yourself and your mind time to, you know, rejuvenate. Um, and just to touch on what you said, like nothing is forced for me. I, if I come in here and I'm not feeling it or ideas aren't coming out, I'm completely cool with just stepping out and, you know, listening to music on my vinyl or going outside for a drive or going for a walk or, you know, whatever it is that I do uh, away from here and, you know, not feel bad about it. Mm -hmm. So let's go into the music industry and, and some of the relationships that you've been able to make. I know a lot of people are asking about that. One thing I think a lot of questions that people ask is, well, how do you make sure you don't get effed over on a, on a relationship or a, a deal or how do you negotiate and all that stuff? How do you keep your 
I's dotted and your T's crossed and whatnot. Can you can you go into that relationship building and then the actual business end of it and the importance of keeping good relationships and being good to people, but also making sure your business is right? Yeah, I think again, it just all goes back to like getting a feel for for the people that you're working with and, and not forcing anything. Um, a lot of not all all the relationships actually that I have with people now. Um, they're all very genuine. We're all, I, I would say, pretty much like family, you know, and we text, you know, pretty regularly and often and talk about stuff outside of just music. So um, keeping good company is, is very important. There's, you know, a lot of shady shit that goes on. And, you know, just because it goes on doesn't mean that you have to attach to it. Um, and just because you don't attach to it doesn't mean that you won't be successful. It just, you know, means it wasn't for you. And, and that's cool. And as far as, you know, the business side of things, I, again, I, it's important to just read over the contracts and spend time and, and see what they're saying and what they're offering and know your worth, you know, um, you know, having, having a good manager around, or if you don't have a manager, you know, and, and deals come up, just get an entertainment lawyer and have somebody look over the paperwork and, you know, keep good company basically. I think a lot of people are super paranoid about like getting uh, messed over on a deal and rightfully so, you know, people mm -hmm. put in the work and they want to protect themselves. Um, but have you ever not worked with someone because you thought it was a bad deal or you thought it just wasn't good for your mental health or whatever it might be? Yeah, there's, you know, earlier on, there was a lot of people that tried to sign me, um, as as a you know producer or or sound designer to their 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 label their company uh their brand and um it just didn't align with my vision you know it didn't it wasn't worth it for me to give up uh what they were asking in the contract for me to be a part of what they were doing you know I, i've always been okay with taking the longer road i think there's a lot more longevity in in building up your own thing and through that process, the people that were supposed to be in my life came into my life and the people that weren't, you know, shifted and went their own ways. So, yeah, it worked out. And something that, a little backstory that me and Mario knows, we were in uh, L.A. at a taco shop. And one thing that we learned is if you're sitting there and you are name dropping a whole bunch of names, the little bit more insecure you are in your business and whatnot. Yeah, hundred percent. Like you don't have to tell me who you've worked with and all these things for me to like want to sign with you or work with you. Like I'm way more interested in your character and your principles and just who you are as a man or a woman than, you know, who the fuck you worked with. That's real. That's real. I think that's an important piece that early on we kind of, we knew, but we didn't right, right away know. And I think that's important that people know that it's just like, you know, work with genuine people. Mm-hmm. 100%. Like, it's not going to be your first or your last opportunity. You know, more things will come your way. Yeah. You got to believe in yourself. You got to know that what you're doing is going to pay off. And if you continue to work, I mean, shoot, I've watched you come out of the mud with this, man. And it's been super inspirational. And uh, you've just kept it going. Mm-hmm. What, what have you done different than anyone else you think? Um... I think I just followed my, my own path and trusted my own instinct. Um, 
and and to be real man i just kept going you know as like cliche as as it sounds like everybody else that i came up with either just stopped doing it or didn't believe in themselves or didn't invest in themselves whereas like i just kept going Mm. that's it you know and nipsey says it in one of his interviews too he said like the biggest distinguishing factor between him and anybody else is that he just didn't quit you know and you have to have passion for it though you know otherwise it's going to be a nightmare every day working towards something you know that doesn't come easy man i can't say how inspirational you are just from me knowing you personally and i've seen lots of different artists and different producers coming up some of them have had really great careers like yourself on the come up and continuing to shine and continue mm-hmm. to grow i just hope that everyone that's listening they can get a get some gems get some inspiration from this and uh, keep going man keep rolling and uh this podcast is for you and uh i'm gonna keep on asking these kind of questions mario's gonna keep giving this kind of feedback he's gonna start asking a lot more questions for some of the dope guests that we got coming up mm-hmm. we'll get more technical we'll also get a little bit more into just the vibe of this whole thing man and i uh, i hope you guys all enjoy it thank you mario for putting this on and Tell the people, man, how much how much this means to you. Man, thank you for everybody that tuned in, that's listening. And and like Mash said, you know, we got a lot of dope guests on the way, a lot more gems to share. Um, and we just look forward to building with the community and, you know, sharing all we can with you guys. So uh, until next time, man, be safe. Um, keep creating. Stay inspired. Peace. Peace.